And we welcome to the program now Kevin Connors of ESPN, who anchors SportsCenter and does a number of other things for the mothership. I'm John Schrader. This is Watch the Media. And Kevin, welcome to the program. John, it's great to be on with you. It's a long time coming, and I'm honored to be on with you. Well, I, and I do appreciate it very much. I, I know you're busy with uh, lots of things, including the fact that you're on television at least an hour every day or, or, or longer. And we'll talk a little bit about that process because when you do an hour of television, that doesn't mean you just do an hour of work. That means you do 10 or 12 hours of work to get ready to do an hour of television. Maybe you can give us just a little bit of an idea of what it is you do. And I want to talk about some of that process as well, because I think it's valuable to the the audience to try to understand what somebody does whom they see for an hour or 30 minutes or whatever they're doing on television. So what, what is it you do? How would you describe your job? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, and I hope we have a lot of time. No, it, it really, it honestly, it depends what the day is, but let's just say on a normal day that I'm doing sports center. Um, we have a show meeting uh, about eight hours from when the uh, end of the show is. So in other words, if we're on from 11 p.m. to 12 a.m., you know, we'll get in at about 4, 4.30 and have our show meeting where we discuss what the big stories of the day are, if anyone has any specific ideas that they want to try to use in the show, if there are any stories that they felt are, are show-worthy, and we kind of kick them about. And then it's a matter of kind of getting to our show pod and, and getting to work and writing and researching and reading and looking at video clips or highlights or whatever the case may be and going to the cafeteria and, and getting some whatever you're eating and bringing it back to the pod and, you know, kind of locking in on games and watching all mm -hmm. that goes on. And then obviously, as you get later into the night, it's a matter of seeing, you know, and is the order that we decided at the start of the night exactly what the show is going to look like and then. You get dressed and you get made up and bang, you're on live TV. So who are the we um, in this decision-making process? We'll always have our show producer and our CP, the coordinating producer. Uh, both anchors are usually always at the show. Generally speaking, several of our PAs who are in charge of watching games and cutting highlights. There could be bigger bosses who are there, depending on you know the level of the show and what other meetings they have going on. So there's usually 15 to 20 people in on a given show. And, and again, it varies. If we're on for an hour, maybe there are some, you know, maybe there are a few less people there. If it's a really big night, if we're following a really big game, maybe there are more people there. Um, there's no shortage of people who are involved in, in the uh, idea process. And then ultimately, you know, you're, you're sort of responding to what happens that day and what happens in games that night. So sometimes when you're scheduled to do an hour, you do 11 to midnight, and then you have a double or a triple overtime game or, or something else gets in the way, that 60-minute that, that program might be 43 or 47 or, or 39 minutes. How do you then um, accordion that? Yeah, it's a matter of, you know, what are the essential stories? What are the ones that we definitely have to get in? Games, highlights, whatever the case may be. And that's where the role of the producer is, is that much more amplified because they're the ones who are in charge of timing the show. Um, and it's, and you know, as an anchor, maybe you had, maybe you pitched an idea that was going to be in the, in the D block of the show. And all of a sudden now we, we've got 17 fewer minutes in the show. So we are not going to get to that. Or maybe you wrote a lead in that you were, that you spent a particular amount of time on. And now all of a sudden that's gone and, and it evaporates. 
that can be frustrating from time to time, but you're always at the mercy of what the news is, John, you know that. And, and if there's a big game and it's, and it warrants extra attention, you know, that's going to slide everything else out of the way. So um, yeah, the accordion is a real thing that definitely happens. So let's puncture some mythology here of what people are like uh, or what they do on television. You write a lot of your own material. Is that correct? Yeah, I, I wish it was the glamorous job that everyone thought it was where you get in and people are fawning all over you and powdering you with makeup nonstop and, you know, fixing your hair. No, I mean, I would say I, I tell people this all the time. Eighty five percent of my job is sitting in front of a computer and again, either reading stories, researching things or thinking of interesting ways I can write a lead in or give notable uh, facts during a highlight. So, so much of it is the nuts and bolts of writing and researching. And, and, um, you're in a situation where, and I, I, I kind of like to relate it or metaphorically say, it's almost like you're playing sports and all of us, most of us have played sports, whether it was just kicking the ball around or, or you played in, in college, which I'm going to ask you about a little bit later too. Um, but you, you spend all week long practicing, you spend all week long working on it, and then you get to play the game. That's a little bit like it is, isn't it? You spend all day long doing all of that nuts and bolts and taking care of all the details. And once the red light goes on, that's the fun part of the job. There's no doubt. There's no, there's no question about it. And again, you know, as someone who it's, it's interesting how it works. You have some people who are great at highlights and some people who are great at interviews and some people who are really good at writing. I take a lot of pride in my writing. Um, so for me, the most fun is if I've come up with what, what hopefully is a well-written or clever lead in delivering that and, and, you know, and, and, having the confidence and knowing that hopefully it's pretty good. Um, and, and so, yeah, so there's no doubt that once you get out there and if you do highlights and have fun with your co-anchor or on your own, um, that's, there's, there's no question. That's, that's our game. So anchors are put together or I, I, I was almost going to say thrown together, but that's hopefully there's more planning put in it than that. Um, <laughs> but, but sometimes anchors just kind of end up together. How did you, uh, how did it turn out that you ended up with your partner? Do you work with Butch Gross most of the time or who do you work with most of the time? You know, I, I, it's, it's really a mixed bag. So, you know, uh, there, there used to be the traditional Dan and Keith um, mm-hmm. or, you know, Bob Lee and Charlie Steiner and, it's just not as easy to do that nowadays. Now, there definitely are teams that you'll see more frequently than others, um, especially in the morning shows. At night, obviously, it's Van Pelt at midnight Eastern time, um, and he's he's obviously a solo anchor. But, but yeah, I'll work with Bucci. I'll work with John Anderson uh, a fair amount. There are more – I would say, John, it's more that there are groups of people at different times of day, and then depending on – who's available, who they want to put you with. They'll match it up that way. A lot of times it is, you know, John Anderson, John Butchergrass are two of our senior guys. Those guys do a lot of shows together. And there's probably, I would say there's definitely a reason for that. Um, When I'm doing shows, I'd like to think that they say, hey, you know, Kev and John Butchergrass work well together. Let's get them together more often. I think a lot of times, quite honestly, it's, who's available to us tonight, who's on vacation this week, who worked late last night and can't turn around quickly today. Um, And we feel confident in putting each of these people with just about anybody. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of times that's, that's what happens, but there, there are definitely concerted efforts to say, let's have these two people on the air 
um, following certain events. There's no doubt about it. We're chatting with ESPN's Kevin Connors. I'm John Schrader, and this is Watch the Media. You mentioned Dan and Keith and, and Charlie and Bob, and there was a there was a point, and it's probably been close to 20 years now, right, at ESPN where where Dan and Keith, um, uh, Dan Patrick and Keith Olbermann were the stars of the show. They were the icons. Uh, of course, Chris Berman, and you mentioned Bob Lee, who is still there, Charlie Steiner, who's now the voice of the Los Angeles Dodgers, uh, one of the early ESPN anchors. But, but so much of it was about Dan and Keith, and then it went 180 degrees to – um, you can fill in here, you can do that. The anchors, uh, the, the talent costs a hell of a lot of money, so we're not going to pay that kind of money for talent. That's my opinion, and I think it's fact. <laughs> and and so we decided that we're going to go in, more interchangeable. The parts can be put in different places more. I get the feeling, though, Kevin, that maybe they're allowing you all to put the personality back into the package. Is that true? You know, I'll, I'll answer it. I mean, listen, there. There have been definite philosophical uh, perspectives from from people who've been in charge, and and some of our leadership is way more talent friendly, and others believe way more in the content. And by the way, you know, like I'm kind of as a as one of the on air talent, I'm kind of in between. You know, I, I do believe that that there are a lot of people who watch and should watch because of the content. And certainly it matters who's delivering it to you. You want knowledgeable people and hopefully creative and entertaining people. Um, so, but there are definitely philosophical differences among management. I will, I will tell you this. I've never, once, um, on a, I've never once been told by anybody, tone down the personality. I've never once been, been made aware uh, by any one individual we're looking for less of Kevin Connors and more of the robotic brand. Um, now, having said that, there are only so many Stuart Scotts, and Stuart was given a lot more uh, leeway based on his talent and the success that he had. Chris Berman, you know, you you know Scott Van Pelt, his show is very different than a lot of other sports centers. So, I certainly agree with you. The days of the days of when the shows were known for specific individuals, that that's definitely changed. There's no question about it. I think that there are a myriad of reasons why that's the case. Um, I still firmly believe that, that ESPN wants us to show our personalities. Maybe it's not the same as it certainly is not the same as when Dan and Keith were there, but I'm just being totally honest with you. No one's ever said to me, Hey, tone it down. We want less Kevin Connors. That that's just an honest answer. So then, how do you um, uh, separate yourself from the crowd? We're all ambitious. We all have uh, uh, goals, and we all want to be at the top of our game. So, how do you then, in a pool of a whole bunch of people who do what you do, how do you then separate yourself from the rest of that that subset of folks? It's a great question. Uh, you know what? And I and and here's the. This may not be the best answer, but it's the answer that I've kind of come to terms with myself. If I go on the air and I say booyah, that's not who I am, you know, and, and, and if I go on the air and I and I try to be uh, quirky like this person or uh, super sarcastic like this, whatever the case may be, I've got to be me. And I think being me is someone who is is clever is creative and above all is someone who knows his stuff and and treats the audience in such a way that you're going to get you're going to get a factual um uh 
entertaining broadcast for me. Now, am I going to be the guy that walks through the airport and everyone says, wow, hey, that's the guy that says this? I'm, I'm probably never going to be that guy. But, John, I can tell you there are a lot of people who have been very, very successful in broadcasting who it's not about them. But there's no question, if you are someone who is, who is a huge personality, a la Chris Berman, you're probably going to stand out, let's say, sooner than someone who's not that. That's more nuts and bolts. Um, and by the way, that that's not that has nothing to do with Chris Berman. I think Chris Berman is the, is the best that ever did it. Um, but but it's just that's just reality. And I I tried long ago trying a few different things, and it just didn't come across in my mind as sincere. So I went back to who I was, and hopefully that's good enough. So if you are as you as you describe it, nuts and bolts. If you are the guy who shows up every day and does the job and it delivers it, but uh, doesn't do booyah and doesn't do back 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 back. Um, right. How would you describe your style? I'd say straightforward. I'd say I'd say factual. I'd say entertaining. I think I like to try to have some fun with my highlights, delivering. You know different different catchphrases here and there. I'm not a big catchphrase guy, but I do try someone. That's what I feel like that's sort of what is expected of the sports center anchor. And so I, I try to deliver there. Um, I think, I think upbeat, positive, clever, um, but, but not, I try not to make it about myself. I try to make it about the story while being the guy who, you know, you can rely on. You're going to get it. Um, you're going to get it told to you in a factual way, who's going to give it to you straight, who's not going to make any mistakes, and hopefully entertains you along the way. Kevin Connors has been at ESPN for, I guess it's almost 11 years now, more than 10, is that right? Yeah, 10 and a half, hard to believe. Yeah, 10 and a half years. He's with us on Watch the Media. I'm John Schrader. You, um, did you envision yourself 15, 20 years ago? Um, you're working at the Regional News Network, I believe it was called, in New York City. Uh, you end up going to radio at WCBS, but was there a time when you were playing basketball at Ithaca College and you wanted to be a sportscaster and you said, I'm going to be on SportsCenter one day and that's exactly where I'm going to be. And if, if I don't, it's going to be a disappointment. It's such a, such a great question, John. And the reality is no. Like I, I always kind of thought the way you would go about it is you, you would do local news. I thought I would be the local news guy at W whatever or K whatever. And that would sort of be what I did. I liked doing play by play. So I thought maybe at some point I could transition to that, but I, I just never, and it wasn't because I didn't feel like I was capable of doing ESPN or that it didn't occur to me. I, I guess I just felt, you know, you go there and you'll be, uh, you'll be a small fish in a huge pond. And, and that was short-sighted on my part. Because obviously there have been some, I, I've gotten some fantastic opportunities at ESPN. So I was in local TV and that's where my first gig was. And I just sort of thought, you know, you do this for a little while and then you graduate to the next bigger market. And then from there, if you do well, you go to the next bigger one and then bang, bang, bang. And I was at, I was at as you said, Regional News Network for seven and a half years. And I got to do a little bit of everything, but it, they, were, they were very, very difficult years. And I, I just wondered, am I ever going to get out of here? I sent out VHS tape after VHS tape. Am I ever going to get the next gig? And I stayed with it because I worked with a few people who had been, who had enjoyed a lot of success and I'd won awards. And I thought, well, I, I guess I'm not, 
terrible at this. Maybe. And by the way, then what the heck else would I do? Um, and then, like you said, I got the break at WCBS radio. And then two months later, I'm on WCBS TV. The guy who couldn't get a call back from Cheyenne, Wyoming or Oshkosh, Wisconsin is given an opportunity to be on WCBS TV. It, it happened that quickly. And I know I'll, I'll tell you this, there's no blueprint, as you know, in broadcasting, but it happened like that. So to answer your original question, the goal was never to be at ESPN initially. And I'd say for the first nine, 10 years of my career, that was never really the goal. And then the opportunity presented itself and it was like, are you crazy? Of course I'd go there. So I'm a huge believer in, and I try to teach the students here and I, and wherever I've worked and I spent, as you know, more years of my life as a sportscaster than I have in the, in a college classroom. But, um, I'm a firm believer in, uh, at least for me anyway, what made me a, a, a good writer. And I believe I'm a good writer is, is working in radio where you have something coming up in 30 minutes and you're going to pound out 90 seconds or two minutes and it's got to be clever and it's got to be bright and it's it's got to be up to date and the news has changed in the last 30 minutes. I became not only physically a good fast writer, but also mentally and, 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 and uh, structurally a good writer because of radio. Uh, do you agree with that? I don't think there's any question. And, and, you know, you know, as well as I do, when the voice of God comes through your IFB, your earpiece and gives you a five, four, three, you know, you know, yeah. you better, you better make it succinct. And so, yeah, you know, I mean, when I was at WCBS radio, I was doing 90 second updates that, by the way, if if there was any sort of breaking news story or if something funny was going on in the stock market, sports is always the first thing to get cut. So 90 seconds became 60 or 45. And then you're literally almost just giving headlines. So there's no question about it, John. You learn very quickly what are the essential things I need to say Um and, and, and look, and this is kind of where it's all going anyway. The days of these flowery, long 45-second lead-ins to highlights are over. It's like, you know, you maybe get 30 seconds to do a lead-in. If we have a VO telling a story, you might get 20 if you're lucky. Usually it's more 15. So, so yeah, it's, um, it's about getting information out very quickly, and, uh, and radio was a huge, huge help. And one of the things we all need to know, and we learn it, and you and I probably learned it the way through the process, and that is that you better know a lot about a lot, or you better know uh, quite a bit about a lot, because you never know when a coach is going to be fired. You never know when news is going to hit. You never know when the producer in your ear says, oh, by the way, Rick uh, Patino is no longer the coach at Louisville, and you just don't have the time to make that stuff up or find it or go to your phone or get the computer in front of you. You're on live television, so you better know a lot about a lot, and that's what separates, I believe, you and others from just folks who kind of like to do this but and those who succeed. And that's such a great point because there are – it's incredible to me, uh, but there are those who just kind of like to do it. Um, or, or kind of like to be on TV, or kind of want to have some fame and notoriety. And God bless them. But you know what, for me, this, was, this is my vocation. This is my life. I've been a sports fanatic from the time I've been a kid. Um, it's a passion. And so I guess that kind of goes back to the, to the answer that I was giving you before about who I am and what you're going to get when you turn me on. I don't know everything. 
but I, I darn sure think I know a lot. And, and I take a lot of pride in that. And not, and, there, and, and not everyone delivering you the news or the sports or the weather or the financial news does. And, you know, so again, I'm, that, I don't say that with any arrogance. I say that, in fact, with a lot of pride that a lot of the stuff I, I watch or live through or if I haven't, I've read up on. Um, and so, so yeah, so it's, it's you, you could step in. I'll, I'll give you a perfect example, John. We were getting ready to do a show, a sports center one night in the new studio. It was early on, and it was um, and we were following a USA basketball like primer game for the Olympics. I think it was. Maybe it wasn't the Olympics. Maybe it was another event. But anyway, the, the bottom line is we we we've got a whole sixty minute show laid out, and three minutes we're going to be devoted to Team USA basketball. And then Paul George goes down with that leg injury, and then the next sixty minutes of the show became talking about Paul George and what it means for USA basketball and what it means for him and what it meant at that time for the Indiana Pacers. So if you don't know, if you're not well-versed on the Pacers and if you're not well-versed on the rest of Team USA and Paul George and other basketball things, you get exposed very quickly. And fortunately, I was on that night with someone who, like me, knew a lot about Paul George in the NBA, and, and it went well. And I think the audience will, will can sniff out very quickly who knows their stuff and who's being fed stuff. And hopefully that still matters. Yeah. Unfortunately, and maybe it was like this in the past more than it is now because so much more, uh, we're so much more reliant on social media. Almost everybody in local television does some kind of radio work or everybody in local radio does some kind of television work. But there was a time, maybe even before your time, I'm, old, I'm older than you are, where you could just show up for three and a half minutes at six o'clock and at 11 o'clock and read the sports and not have to know a heck of a lot of other stuff stuff. But now I believe even in local television, you have to know more because it isn't just about those three and a half minutes, two times a day that you have to be good at what you're doing. You will be found out as a fraud um, at some point and in some format if you're not. And I think that's a good thing. You know? I think it's a great thing. And, and John, you know, I've heard legendary stories, especially when I was at WCBS TV in New York, about how I mean, it was like it's like really straight from the movie Anchorman, like where people would go out in between a six and eleven, and they'd go to dinner and they'd have, have a, a couple, couple of drinks. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> right, or a couple might not mean drinks; it might mean something else. And you know, they'd come back and and they'd do the news, and I just I, that that always blew me away. I, I always and and you know maybe it's an insecurity of mine or maybe or maybe it's intelligence i just never wanted to be in a situation where i'm on the air and the light is on and i'm you either hear my voice or i'm on tv and i don't know what i'm talking about so for me you know i there are days where my wife says why why do you have to get in so early or or um you know why don't you why don't you take a break and go have dinner and i'm like because i want to watch the games a because i'm a fan but b because i need to know what i'm talking about or I need to research this or I want to spend extra time writing this lead in. Um, and those are all things where I, I've, I've just never wanted to be in that situation. I've always wanted to be um, at the bare minimum, uh, slightly aware of a story and, and more often than not knowing it inside and out. And you're right. Look, again, I really, really think that needs to matter um, now more than ever. And, and I do think the audience is smart enough to say, I believe in that gal. I think that she really knows what she's talking about or that guy I can trust versus, eh, I'm not so sure about that one. Yeah. 
Let me be Captain Obvious for a minute. Um, the sort of existential question about uh, what goes on uh, there and really in the business, but at ESPN specifically. Gosh, Kevin, how much has the business changed in the 10 and a half years since you've been there? I mean, in, and we could take this any number of ways, John. I mean, you know, really, it's look, he, here's all you need to know. When I got to ESPN, I'm not even positive that I had a smartphone. Maybe I did. But the point is, if I did, I darn sure wasn't streaming games on it. Um, it occurred to me one night when, when I was getting ready to move. We, we moved about a year and a half ago. And I'm, I'm like packing things up. And I'm, I, I, I'm a diehard Yankee fan. And so I said, well, I'm not going to be able to be in front of the TV because i got to be in this room and that room. And let me just stream it through my phone. And I, I'm doing and, and it occurred to me, I'm like, I'm one of these people now. I watch... The prime. I, I watch more stuff on my phone, or at least as much, that, as I do on TV. So that alone, the the way people consume media. Um, here's another good story for you. I can vividly remember being in the newsroom at ESPN. It was either on a Saturday or a Sunday, and um, and a buddy of mine, Mike Hill, who is now in uh, in Los Angeles doing um, doing work in LA. He was at ESPN at the time. He said, hey, I'm looking on my Twitter feed, which was like new to 80% of us. And he said, there's a story out here that Steve McNair was killed. And no one on our assignment desk knew about it. And Mike just happened to see this on Twitter, which, which at the time was a new mm-hmm. form of uh, social media. And bang, let, you know, we, we are assigned to people, do some digging, they get confirmation. Then all of a sudden, you can imagine how much that dramatically changes the day. So that's another example, social media. Um, uh, the way that things are streamed anymore. I mean, that's the tip of the iceberg. And again, as you said, John, that that's in 10 and a half years. So it's, it's remarkable. We're living in a technological revolution, whether or not we realize it. How much now, and this, this at one point, probably in the last two or three years might've been a, a contentious question, but what are the, what are the social media norms, expectations, regulations, rules that you have to put up, uh, you have to, to deal with, to adhere to, I guess the better way to put it, adhere to, uh, at your place? You know, I wish I knew what exactly they're, <laughs> you know, the, the, the here, here's I can tell you this. Here's what I abide by. Be smart. Um, I, I, I think in, in 10 and a half years at ESPN, I think I have always stayed out of political uh, commenting. There's just no win in it for you from 50% of the people. Um, you know, using profanity. I mean, I, I would, I, 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 uh, I don't want to be known as someone who does that anyway. So I think it's, for me, it's be smart. Um, there was a time where it was say whatever you want to say, you just so long as you put the caveat on your on your bio that says my views are not those expressed by ESP, whatever the case is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know that it's been blurred and continues to be blurred by a lot of people. That that's just not a world that I want to live in. I, there, you know, I, I look at it in two ways. I don't want that drama. And management deals with enough of that drama that they don't need it from Kevin Connors, too. So I just kind of I just look think about it like this. Be smart with what you want to do. Um, If you have a real thirst for doing that, be prepared to deal with the consequences. And if you don't, then then stick to what you do best and what they pay you to do. And in my case, that's to deliver sports news. 
Kevin Connors with ESPN uh, Anchors uh, Sports Center. Also does some play-by-play uh, that I want to talk about in just a second. I'm John Schrader, and this is Watch the Media. You played basketball in college. I mentioned uh, Ithaca College. You played basketball in college. And so how did that impact your view of the sports um, business, uh, the sports enterprises, sports in general, sport? How did that how did you how did that impact your view of sport? I think I think that the obvious answer is you know, you just have such an enormous appreciation for the talent of the people who can do it at the highest levels, whether it's in college or, or professionally. Um, I knew that I was never going to be able to play division one basketball. Uh, and so I, but I wanted to play in college. And, um, so I played division three. And as I found out, division three was a level that was so good. I didn't get a lot of time. And that was really, really difficult for me. It was a really tough lesson but you know what, John, it was a, it was a life lesson that really benefited me um, because life is not only for most of us anyway, about succeeding. It's about dealing with adversity. So for me, that was a lesson that I learned through sport. And I still believe to this day, sport is the, is as good a teacher, if not the best teacher of life lessons. Um, you know, my daughter is, is four years old. She's getting into sport. Um, my son will, uh, whether he likes it or not, it's on some level, get into sport. My wife was a uh, competitive, internationally competitive figure skater. Again, she had a ton of great lessons that she learned through sport, some difficult. Um, so, so I think it's probably on the fundamental level, understanding the discipline um, and talent that you need to have um, to succeed at, at you know, varying levels and, and the appreciation of all that. Um, because it is, as I said, it is as good a teacher as there is. And, and, um, if not for sport, I wouldn't have been able to go to the college that I went to and I would, I'd be making a living doing something totally different. So thank God for it. Yeah. So you have been now, um, a number of the, the folks who have worked in studio at ESPN now branching out, moving out, uh, Chris Fowler, of course, and Steve Levy are, Sort of the uh, prominently in in those kinds of uh, realms, but you're now allowed to do more stuff outside of the studio, more play by play, and some boxing and basketball and that and that kind of stuff. Um, how does you know what's the philosophy there of the company? They've decided they want their people to do more stuff. How how does that come about? Or they've just gotten tired of Connor's asking them year after year for Please, these opportunities. Come on, I can do it. I can do it. I know. I know. It's John, it's so funny. You know, I, I think that the general rule is studio guys want to do play-by-play and play-by-play guys want to be in studio. I, look, I, I just view it as this. There's nothing like being at the game. And I, I'm a studio guy by trade. I've done it for 20-plus years, but I, I like getting out. Am I Marv Albert? I'm not even close. Um, do I think I do, a, at, at worst, a decent job? I hope so. Um, so, but yes, for the longest time, they wanted you, if you were a studio guy, maybe they didn't want to deal with all the scheduling conflicts that would come up. I don't, I don't know exactly, but the way that I've described it to them is look, if I know anything, it's, it's basketball. And if I'm passionate about, about, uh, anything, it's things like college basketball and boxing and, and, um, other sports like that. So I think eventually they said, all right, you know what? Let's give this guy this opportunity. The college season is only three months long. We'll lose him for a little bit of that. 
but hopefully get him back after that. And for guys like Levy and Fowler, I mean, you know, they're on a they're on a different level. I, I think Steve. I mean, how long has Steve been doing Sports Center? Twenty five years. I think he wanted to branch out, and professionally, as you know, you know, you at some point you want or need growth. Um, Fowler had done game day for the longest time, and the opportunity to be the lead college football play by play voice came up, and why not go after that? So, for me, it was about it was about getting out of studio exercising muscles that I don't normally get to exercise. And oh, by the way, it's also really, really fun. Yeah. So we introduced Captain Obvious to the conversation earlier, so I'm going to ask him back for this question. Uh, please explain to our listeners how different it is to be in the studio and to be um, on remote uh, doing a live play-by-play. You know, it, I, here's what I'll say. It used to be extremely different. But so much of the sports center job now is is speaking extemporaneously. Um, so in some ways, it's not as different as it used to be. But clearly, the obvious is you know you, you're you, you've got to be you're, you're you're describing things that are going on on TV. It's not as much as radio, obviously. I know you know that, John. Um, but the preparation, the prep work is different. You know, I'll, I'll spend I'll spend um, weeks. Not consecutively, but, you know, it'll, weeks leading up to games, doing a little bit here and there, um, getting a better handle on numbers. You don't write anywhere near as much for games as obviously you would on a uh, live broadcast. So I feel, like, I feel like it's not quite as different as it used to be, but obviously there's travel involved. Obviously you're speaking with coaches and players before a game and getting information like that. And and when when they when the light goes on, what you're talking about or the way you're talking about it is different. Um, but the way highlights have gone or just conversational interviewing after games with analysts, hopefully, hopefully both are a conversation studio and the game. And so clearly there are fundamental differences, but I would say um, there's there's a lot of extempor there's there's all extemporaneous talk on the play by play side. And there's a lot more in studio these days. So when you get on the phone and call somebody, what is the value of those four consecutive letters that get uttered early in that conversation? I'm with ESPN. How does that impact the uh, entree to a conversation? My, my college roommate, who was the uh, radio broadcaster for the Charlotte Bobcats slash Hornets, said it best. And he said they're the four most powerful letters in sports. And it's hard to argue with that. And look, you know what? ESPN's not perfect. And, um, and, and they weren't back in 1979, and they weren't in 1999 at their heyday or 89, whatever you feel their heyday was. Um, and we're not now. But I still firmly believe that we do it um, as well, if not better than everybody else. I still firmly believe in, in what we do and how we serve the fans is that 100% of the time on 100% of the platforms that we do? That's a conversation we could have another time. But I think at its core, ESPN is, is the best in the business. SportsCenter is the most iconic sports television show that there's ever been. So it's hard to Here, – here's the other thing, John. As someone who's worked at a place no one's ever heard of, it's nice to be able to say when you say where you work, a place that everyone's heard of. So it's it's a door opener. It's a um, it's a conversation starter. It's a um, it's a credibility giver. It's all of those things. 
So if it if this business has changed incredibly, maybe even exponentially in the last ten and a half years, can you even imagine what it's going to look like in ten and a half years down the road from now? No, and and it's why it's why a in this case a forty four year old man or or fifty four year old men that I work with or women. Um, it's why we all try to stay as up to speed as we can on things. Um, look at Linda Cohn. I mean, Linda Cohn is, is, is maybe the greatest female sports caster of all time. I think, you know, you could, you could, I think you could definitely put her in that conversation. Mm -hmm, absolutely. Linda, in addition to doing sports center, does a show that streams exclusively on ESPN plus a good portion of the time. I mean, you know, think about that for me. So this is this is content specifically for people who are streaming it on their whatever their devices. Um, it's amazing, and she's been at the forefront of that. And and it's been hockey, which she's so good at and so passionate about. And like I, th I think the world of her for embracing that early on, and because because ten years from now, that's going to be a really big thing. That's where a lot of this stuff is going. Um, so. It, it's it can be dizzying sometimes to think about how much differently in another great another great example and this is less about sports casting but my, my wife and i the other day were were pretending to mimic uh dialing a phone and picking up the phone and holding it to our ear to my four-year-old daughter and she's and i got i got my pinky to my mouth and my thumb to my ear like i'm holding a phone and she's like daddy what are you doing <laughs> and i'm like oh all right you don't know what a handset devices because you've only ever seen mommy and daddy's cell phone. So it's, it's yeah. wild how things are changing, but she knows how to swipe uh, the phone and has for quite a while now, <laughs> right? She knows how to look for programs. She knows where to get the apps um, on, on the phone, right? Better than I do. Yeah, no. So uh, that's, uh, that's the way it is. And, and, and to give your company a, a, another little plug about looking ahead into the future, um, of course, Disney owns a, a, a big piece of a, a, a piece of Hulu, and will own a majority piece of Hulu soon when they take over Fox. They took over BamTech, own three quarters of BamTech, which is probably the leading streaming technology company in the world. And so they are thinking about what will be uh, five years down the road, ten years down the road, because as much as they'd love eighty-seven or ninety million people buying ESPN on cable and satellite uh, every month in the future, they know as well as you and I know that's not realistic. It's just not going to well, be. You're right. Yeah. No, you're. I mean, you know, I mean, look, and that was not to get too deep in the weeds on on the uh, financial side of things, but that you know that's where ESPN for years and years and years was so far ahead of everybody else because we charged cable companies yep. money to, to carry us. And then, on, and then we charged advertisers yeah, and we more than anybody else. I mean, let's be honest, more than anybody else in the business by quite a ways uh, ESPN gets from cable providers. Go ahead. Right. Right. And, 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 and here's the crazy thing. There are a lot of people who would probably pay double or triple to get it. And then there, and there are obviously people who would say, why am I paying for this? I never watch it. And, and so we're experiencing that now because people are now starting to have the option, the cord cutting and all that other stuff. But here's the one thing I'll say about ESPN, and this is not me being a company man. We have a lot of really bright people who are so good at, at thinking ahead. And so getting in with the streaming companies, like you said, the Bantex and, and, um, and by us starting whatever our uh, 
Netflix version is going to be, which it's going to be something um, with all the all the Disney movies and now with all the Fox movies that right. we're, we're mm-hmm. getting. Uh, th- those people are all very, very bright. And um, it's really neat to be at a company where you have people who have that vision to lead you into the next frontier, because that's what if we're not in it, if we're not going into it right now, we're in it. Um, so and, I, I think. It, go, go ahead, John. No, no, go ahead. I think about what I watch. It goes back to the conversation. When, when I'm when I'm not watching games, I watch Netflix like 80% of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, I, whether it's because it's easier or they have things on there that are more appealing to me or it saves me the time from flipping, whatever it is, it's my habit. And so my habit is is the case of a lot of other people too. You know, and it's the people who think ahead. We're chatting with Kevin Connors of ESPN. I'm John Schrader, and this is Watch the Media. And it's the people who think those years ahead and who have those ideas. And, you know, I worked in in the Bay Area for more than 30 years, and and very near where I lived in the South Bay was a little company that that started in an old, it's almost like an old warehouse, just kind of an old, ugly kind of building. And the talk was is that they were going to start streaming movies. They're going to start, they're just going to take movies and stream them and you pay a little bit of money. And they called this little company Netflix. And it was just a little company in in Los Gatos, California that said, okay, I have an idea. You know, a couple of kids named Bryn and Paige at Stanford are graduate students working on how to do algorithms and make it work and create something. And five years later, they're billionaires, right? So it's the people who are thinking ahead and probably never before um, in the history of, of mass media, at least, have the technology geniuses driven the business uh, as they do now. And maybe they should have always because the delivery of media has have always the delivery has always been related to to the technology available. Right. Drawing on cave walls or or newspapers or radio in the first part of the 20th century, whatever. But now I think the technologists are driving the business even more than ever before. You, you think that I, I don't think there's any question about it. And, I, and maybe that's maybe it is better. Maybe it's better for the consumer. Maybe it's better for you and me. Why do I pay $200 a month for my cable when I watch four channels and, 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 you know, and, and watch Netflix the rest of the time? I've asked myself that question quite honestly. I, I ask know. myself that question every month, Kevin. Yes, you, I do. You know, you say, holy cow. And, and, and to your point, John, th- I mean, and, and to your question earlier about where's the business going, I mean, think about how much money Apple has. Think about how much money Facebook has, um, Google and and you've heard all Amazon. Three of those, Amazon. Well, you've heard all four of those companies mentioned as companies that could get involved in in buying rights. Imagine that. Can you imagine if you're watching? You do now, I guess. You do. You watch you watch NFL games on Twitter or on uh, or on Amazon. Can you imagine if if the traditional uh, TV stations who've traditionally delivered us NFL games like ESPN? Whenever the next NFL contract comes up, get outbid by Apple. And and by the way, whether it's the NFL or Major League Baseball or you know BMX riding, that's going to happen with one of those places. Yeah. That that's where it's all going. It's it's remarkable. It's it's scary to those of us who make a uh, a living in the industry. 
Um, and it's and it's fascinating. Well, it's just a matter of reorganizing who we are as both consumers and as producers of this content, as as talent, as announcers or teachers or whatever it is. We just reorganize uh, who we are and adapt to who we are. Um, mm-hmm. But you you have a talent, and that talent will be adaptable to, because you're looking ahead, you'll be adaptable to wherever that business is going. Um, the thing about it is we're not really sure, so we do the best we can today and hope that there will be a place for us tomorrow, right? right. That's as simple as that, right? <laughs> hope and pray. There's yeah. no question about it, John. Yeah. So what is the greatest challenge in your job and or life related to what you do? Ooh, that's a that's a that's a really good question that I could answer in a lot of different ways. Um, here's here's one. When I was single, and even and even before I had kids, I could devote my entire life to my job, whether it's whether it's watching games at home or or reading or going to games or whatever the case is, or being in the studio and working on projects. I'm married with two kids now, and that's that's changed the dynamic a little bit in a lot of ways. I think, you know, I, I, I can't devote quite as much time as I used to, which is which is good and bad. Um, and it's also changed my perspective on what's truly important um, uh, in terms of priorities. That part aside, what's the hardest part of my job? Um I think in a lot of ways, it's what we just talked about. It's, it's thinking of ways that you can stay relevant in a world that's rapidly changing. Um, it's, it's, you know, and this is maybe a crazy analogy. It's probably, there are probably certain similarities to like people when, when there were, um, you know, the, the, the non-talking movie, you know, the silent movies, like, like how, how do you adapt to this technology that's changing so fast? How do I stay relevant in on linear television when people are fleeing and, and going to streaming services or we're watching in two minute bursts like Sports Center on Snapchat? Um, do, do is it getting into live games? Um, and that's and that was part of the reason why I decided to try to explore play by play more is 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 Sports Center going to look really different in ten years and and what does that mean for me? Um, so I think it's, I think it's kind of being aware of how things are changing and kind of game planning on how it's best for me to stay relevant for the course of my career. So if that's the hardest part of the greatest challenge, what's the part that just is natural? It's, it's, I don't want to say easy because none of it is easy, but what is the, what is the 180 degrees from that hard part then? I think it's talking about what my, my greatest passion is outside of my family. Um, it's, you never have to get me excited to be at a game or doing a show, um, you know, and we, and there, and there, and that's not true of everybody. And by the way, I'm not a hundred percent, you know, we have, we all have good days and bad days, but the fact that I get to do a show as iconic as sports center, the fact that I get to represent a company as iconic as ESPN is motivating and energizing and humbling. Um, I recognize how fortunate I am and maybe some of it's because I was on the other side when I was at a tiny little place that no one ever heard of. Um, but I, I recognize how many people would change places with me in a heartbeat. Um, I, I recognize how fortunate I am to be able to speak to as many people as I do when I'm on the air or doing a game. 
So I think the easy part is is being motivated and getting to talk about um, what I would otherwise be watching on my downtime. So in that respect, um, it's not it, it's easy to be humble. Then it's easy to have humility about what you do because of those experiences, because of a young family now, because you worked at a place that nobody had ever heard of. Add that all up, and it's like you know, I'm Kevin Connors, but hey, I I can't get too full of myself here because uh, I, I know what the other side is. I've got people who would snap me back very quickly, <laughs> John, if if I did get too full of myself. Uh, and, and there are times where I wish that maybe I, I had a little bit more of that. Um, but but you are who you are. And and you're right. I mean, look, I, I can remember I'm still the same guy that remembers going to the post office, sending out VHS tape after VHS tape and getting rejected. And I know how quickly it can all be taken away from you. So so I, I'm co- uh, conscious of that every day that I go into work and and hopefully my passion and my um my desire to put on the best possible product is is reflected in the work that I do by the people who watch. I, I truly, I truly mean that. Uh, when I grew, grew up in a small town in Nebraska, and I thought, God, wouldn't it be awesome to be a sportscaster? It would be so cool to be somehow in the sports business. And and uh, you know, we, and we didn't have cable television. We had three channels. We didn't. It was so small. We didn't have a, a local newspaper, although we got them from other towns around. So there wasn't really a there wasn't really a, a template there that said, Hey, John Schrader could be a sportscaster uh, coming from a dinky little town in Nebraska. And there and I remember times over the years when I'm thinking. God, I'm from a little town in Nebraska, and I get to go to a World Series. I'm covering the San Francisco 49ers. I'm doing play-by-play in San Francisco, California, and I'm just a little guy from Nebraska who just wanted to do this, and I am so damn lucky because I imagine all over America how many guys from little towns in the middle of America thought, wouldn't it be cool to be at a Super Bowl? And so that, I think, is what helped keep me humble um, it's not about me, but but that's just an example of, of sometimes you just have to find that place that say, hey, this is cool. You're being compensated nicely for what you do, and you, and it's fun. The hours aren't the greatest, you know, nights and weekends and all of that, but it's a really cool job, and remember that. I mean, you said it You said it better than I did. You're right. And, and even the nights, you know, look, I'll do the 1 a.m. sports center at 1 a.m. Eastern time and get home at 3.30, and you're falling asleep at 4, and you're getting up early, and and look, we all find things to complain about, and and it doesn't mean that we're not grateful for what we have if we do complain, but my default is always to go back to, you're right, this is a privilege. I mean, think, think, about, think about the privilege that people give you to say, you can put on a microphone and speak to an audience of however many hundreds of thousands of people um, to talk about the 49ers or to talk on ESPN. If you're not humbled by that, um, I don't think you've given it a lot of thought. And, and so I'm, I'm, I'm humbled by that and motivated by that every time I go to work. The, the flip side of that, if it's the flip side, is that there are a lot of people watching, there are a lot of people listening, and I'm really lucky to be here, but there are a lot of people listening, there are a lot of people watching, so I better be good today, and I better be good tomorrow, and I better be good the next day, and I better not take one minute or one hour or one day off, because I might not be here any longer if I don't. Right, and John, now more than ever, in the age of social media, where people can 
at Kev Connors ESPN and bang, I'm getting it in my Twitter feed. They'll let you know. And I don't care who you are. Um, I haven't met the person whose skin is thick enough to not be affected by things from time to time. You know, when I, when I do a game and when I get done and someone says, Kevin Connors is the worst broadcaster I've ever heard in my entire life, that could be a guy who's bitter at the world in his mom's basement. But how does it not impact you? You know, I, I don't go into a game saying, ah, if I, if I screw up, big deal. No, I, I work really hard, and I hope what I do is, is received well by people. And so when it's not, they'll let you know about it. Um, and maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it keeps you on your toes a little bit. I'm not sure that it's always a good thing, but um, – <laughs> But it's a thing. Let's put it like that. Yeah. So I was I was sort of winding this conversation down, but I have a couple more questions. I hope you don't mind. Um, Not at all. How much do you now at this point in your career um, sit in the little room and watch yourself and listen to yourself and 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 really critically review your work? You know, not as much on studio shows, but certainly on games. You know, when it's something. I mean, I've done I've done a lot of sports centers, and at this point, I either you like me. And um, and this goes for for viewers and my bosses. You know, I'm, I'm probably not going to change dramatically from who I am in the studio, but I, I've not done a ton of games in my career. So, yeah, I'll, I'll watch more of those and listen to how I'm calling a game. And did I give too much? Was I too enthusiastic? Was I not enthusiastic enough? Was I too succinct? Was I not uh, uh, descriptive enough? All those things. So I'll, I'll watch it a little bit more closely on things that I don't have a tremendous amount of experience in versus studio shows where by no means am I an expert. We, we can always get better. I'm not telling you that I don't watch studio shows as much, but do I go home and watch every night? Not the way that I used to. And how much do you, do you get uh, mentoring, uh, guidance, uh, feedback, uh, critical review from the people you work for? Not as much as I'd like. You know, and, and it's hard I mean, because the expectation in many ways, too, John, is, well, hey, Kev's been here for 10 and a half years. You know, he, he knows how to do these shows. And I'm sure some people would make themselves available to give it to you. And um, but 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 not as much as you'd like. I'm, I'm always open to constructive criticism and, and feedback. And um, hopefully it's more you're on to something versus you don't know what the hell you're doing. Um, but I'm but I'm always I'm always welcome, uh, willing to get that. Um, and, and we don't get it as much as, as maybe I would like. So you're, you're from New York and you worked in New York city and now you work in Connecticut. Um, you work mm -hmm. in the world's largest media market, um, from the world's largest media market, not in it, but, but from it, how do the, how do the folks from Peoria, how, uh, from Paducah, from, um, from Lincoln, Nebraska, how did they end up getting opportunities? Um, you know, and I know that the West coast and the East coast sort of have this, this stereotype of being different. And in fact, they are, uh, but so how do the folks in the middle get a chance to make a difference in the big city? I would say if you believe in yourself and, and you want to do this and, and, um, and you have that burning desire to be good at it, I would say, go do it. And again, today, more than any other time, probably, um, I think definitely, if you're, if you're good, people will find you. Um, I, think, I think it might be a little bit harder, but you know, if you believe in yourself and you have the drive, produce good content. 
be good at what you do. Take it seriously and and um, and and have a burning desire, whatever it is that you do. And if it happens to be TV or radio, um, be aggressive in the way you want to get people's attention. And I think, look, we have we have people primarily from the East Coast. I would say that I'd say the majority are from the East Coast, but we have people from all over the country. And, and that's not just on air and in other positions, too. And we've made a concerted effort to do that at ESPN for, for the reasons that, you know, you, you suggested here. Um, but I also think it's I also think it's way more possible today. Um, you can send a link of your resume reel to someone via email and bang, they have it like that. Um, and, and if you're good, I think people will find you. So I, w- I wouldn't use that as a, as a hindrance to getting on, getting to where you want to be. I, I would, I'm a big believer, John, in, in doing the best work that you can and knowing that eventually it'll be recognized. I really, I really think that more often than not, that's the case. Could you have imagined more than 20 years ago when you started in this business of uh, sticking a phone in your face or just uh, recording audio or as some of the young folks who work here, they, they met each other, they got together, they created uh, a podcast uh, in their dorm room and they've made that from a podcast in their dorm room. They're freshmen in college from a right. podcast in their dorm room. Now they bought some, some cheap, uh, inexpensive equipment. So they have a couple of cameras on them now. So now it's turned into a video podcast. They're 18, 19 years old and, and crafting, uh, a, a, a place in the business for themselves at 18 or 19 years old. I couldn't have imagined that. And I, I guess you probably couldn't either 20 years ago. No, there's no, there's no question about it. I mean, I can remember vividly when I started out in the business carrying a, a heavy tripod and a heavy camera bag with heavy batteries and, you know, tapes and, and, and other things in a, in a, in a run bag. And I don't mean to interrupt you, Kevin, but I shot 16 millimeter film. That's how long it's been. Okay. So, wow. Yeah. yeah so, you know, John, time. yeah. And you think, I mean, all I wanted to be was in front of the camera. So here I am. I, I vividly remember one day covering the, uh, they're now, God, whatever the name of the team is now, the, uh, uh, well, they used to be the Metro Stars, whatever the MLS team is now. Uh, Red Bull New um, York. Uh, Red Bull New York. There Bulls, you go, yeah. yeah. Um, and I can remember covering the Metro Stars, and here I am in a shirt and tie walking across like three football fields in a, on an August day in New Jersey, and, you know, you can imagine what I looked like when I got over there. And um, but but that's what I wanted to do. And, yeah, you're right now. People because I, I had to set the camera up on the tripod and have the batteries and the tapes. And now you're right. Someone pulls a phone out of their pocket and puts it in someone's face and they're getting the same video that I did back in the day. You're right. It's uh, it's amazing to think about how far it's come and and um, and the opportunity. Look at look at the look at the success of Barstool. Yes. Um, you know, I mean, like the, the following that they have on social media. Again, that goes back to the yeah. kid from from Paducah. You can do it if you if you do something that people find um, interesting and good. You can do it. Yeah. And, and I don't find it daunting, especially somebody who's been through a couple different generations now. I don't find it daunting. I find it challenging and I find it exciting that this new generation of uh, young people gets to help craft the business. I think it's really cool. Listen, you know what? Because otherwise you would fall into lazy habits. And yeah. You're right. I think it's I think it's motivating. I, I think you're 100 percent right. And I'm always a believer in, in putting the best people out there. And if the best people are the guys who are doing it in their basement, then let's have them front and center. Bingo. 
Well, that's a great way to finish the conversation. I've taken an hour of your time, Kevin, and I appreciate it immensely. Thanks. John, it's my pleasure anytime at all. Kevin Connors with us on Watch the Media. He's uh, with ESPN and has been for more than 10 years now, works in SportsCenter and uh, does play-by-play as well. I'm John Schrader from the University of Nebraska-Lincoln in the College of Journalism and Mass Communications. This is Watch the Media.